brother Ricardo that he shared a great word last week. I hope you remember it, what he told me, because I was not there. I hope I will be here more often, sorry for that. Anyway, what he shared was rejoice through suffering and persecution because Paul was in prison. Rejoice through suffering. And despite that, during that time, what he shared is people came to the Lord. Miracles did happen. Nine thousand soldiers, he said, came to the Lord. That's a lot. And that is incredible. That's really a God thing. So God can do great things through suffering. Also, people found in the midst of their suffering strength in the Lord. And I'm very thankful that we can trust the Lord in all different times in our lives. Let's pray together, and then I will share the message of today's day. Lord God, thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. Thank you so much that we can trust you, and that we don't have to act like we are the, the great ones, because you are the one who is great, and you are using us. And what we really want is just to be in your intimacy, you really want to be in your presence and really want to enjoy the things which you are enjoying. Lord, I pray that you um, open up our eyes, open up our hearts, open up our minds, so we just get really what you actually want to say to me and to us all today, Lord. I pray that you really um, you just use me as your face, Lord. Use us all together as one body. Because what we really want to desire from is you, Lord. We really want to have people desiring who you are. You are great, Lord. And I pray that you really help us to just um, yeah, get more, give you more space and make ourselves sometimes just smaller because you are the one who is great and we just want to be in your presence, Lord. Thank you so much that we can gather today together. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's start with a question. How much of value is your relationship with God? How much of value is your relationship with God? The same kind of question is, what is God's word to you? In our lives, sometimes we can feel rejected. I don't know if you ever experienced that, but sometimes we can feel rejected. And that's when we don't get the feeling that someone values us. Or we know that we are not completely loved by someone. You know, my wife, who's sitting over there, she met a very tiny seven-month-old baby, very vulnerable, in the slums of Sweet Pita, which is in the north of Yangon. Tirsha got really worried when she saw this baby who was too weak to move. The baby looked like a newly born. This seven-month-old baby looked like a newly born. 
She brought another woman with a big heart for children to the house where the baby was. And this woman asked if she could take care of the baby for just 24 hours a day. After these 24 hours, the grandparents didn't return to pick up the baby. And she called them to ask if she could bring the baby to a hospital. And the grandparents agreed. They said that even if the baby would die in the hospital, you know what they said? It would be okay for them. They would not blame her. It's okay. The baby can die. The grandparents didn't want to visit the hospital because they said they will get, because of the car, motion sickness. Once the baby was released from the hospital, this woman asked the grandparents to see her. And the grandparents came and said they wanted to sell the baby for 40,000 chat. And that's just how much this baby was worth for the grandparents in their eyes. Can you imagine that? They didn't feed her. They didn't give her any attention. How much am I worth for God? How much is God longing for a relationship with us? But also, how much is this relationship with God worth for us? I want to take you to the situation when Moses is going to meet God on the mountain. I would like to read with you Exodus 24, verse 9 to 18. Exodus 24, verse 9 to 18. We are going to read a passage in which we are in a desert. And there in the desert are 74 people going up on the mountain to meet God. They describe here what they have seen. I want to read with you this part again. So Exodus 24. 9 to 18. Yes, thank you. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the fairy heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. It's the ESV. And he saw the God of Israel. How was it possible for Moses and 73 others to see God? Somewhere, somehow, some way, we also know that, or think, that the Bible says, saying to us that it is actually impossible to see God. Art Linkletter, no idea who this man is, but Art Linkletter once saw a little boy drawing a picture. And he asked to the boy, what are you drawing? The boy replied, a picture of God. Linkletter proceeded give the child a lesson in theology, explaining that no one knows what God looks like. And to which the boy confidently responded, 
They will when they get done. The Bible tells us in different parts it's impossible to see him. In Exodus 33, verse 20, we read that God is telling Moses that the man cannot see Yahweh's face and live. I think we can conclude that this means that you can see God, but not, not in all his splendor. We cannot see him completely as he is in his full splendor. And even when we feel his presence, or when we get to see something of him, it's still so difficult to describe. It's like describing a kiss. You can check the dictionary, kiss. But really describing it, to get an essence of what it is like, is a completely different story. So we also see this in Exodus 24, verse 10. And he saw the God of Israel that was under his feet as we are a pavement of sapphire stone, like the fairy heaven for clearness. It's about that, what was under his feet. Not particularly what God looked like. Even though the description is not complete, but it must have been amazing. I would love to experience that, actually. These 74 people, that God is amazing opportunity. And we can read about this. Just 74 people, maybe out of a crowd of 2 million people, could come really close into the presence of the Lord. They got an invitation to come closer. So, are the Israelites allowed to come into the presence of the Lord? Yes. But, they need an invitation from God himself so that they can come. Because they, these 74 people, got this invitation, we also read in chapter 24, verse 11, that God did not destroy them. Were they allowed to meet God? These 74 people met God, but not in his, full, in his fullness. Only these 74 people were allowed because they had an invitation so what was the purpose of inviting them into his presence? You know, my dad had to go on business trips quite often when I was young. And I was always surprised by the country that my dad went to. Thailand, most of us went there. Korea, South Africa, Russia, the Bahamas. Cool, right? I think. So, of course, I thought of beaches, elephants, different kinds of foods. I love food. But he always came back with the stories of what happened at the office. So he's going to the Bahamas, but he comes back with stories about the office. And there was no beach, no elephants, no food. I didn't understand the purpose of my dad's journey. He went to the office. It was not just for them. As leaders, they were representing the people of Israel. And we also see this when we read what Moses received on the mountain. That's why they were coming, because they were representing the people of Israel. What was God's plan? What did God receive on the mountain? 
Anyway, next slide, please. Um, God. Yes. What was God's plan? What did Moses receive on the mountain? The law, sanctuary, and tabernacle. The tabernacle. God dwelling in the midst of the Israelites. When Moses went up to the mountain, it was because God wanted to come close. Not just to Moses, but to all the Israelites. We see this already in the leaders being selected to come. Why did Moses go up on the mountain? That's the law. There was a covenant made, and the terms and conditions of the covenant were given to Moses. Oh, he was up that mountain. The law contains rules, how the Israelites can relate to God. And therefore, this law was important for the Israelites. It was important because God wanted people to relate to him. Not only by a law, but also by coming closer to the people. These terms and conditions had the purpose to bring God closer to people. God wants us in his place of intimacy. He wants us to realize that he knows our name. I want to give you an example of a child that had problems with saying the Lord's Prayer. He didn't know the words very well. It went like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, how do you know my name? This is probably how the Israelites felt. How does God know my name? Is he really that personal? Next slide. But God was busy with an ultimate plan to come closer, to show that he knows their names. In Exodus 25, verse 8, we can read this. And let them make me a sanctuary, that they may dwell in their midst. When Moses went up to the mountain, he received instructions to build a tabernacle so that God could identify with the Israelites. He wanted to be there. The sanctuary, a tabernacle, so that God could dwell in the midst. It is his desire, already from the beginning of the earth, not just to be present and visible to 74 elected people, but really in the midst of his high number of Israelites that were there in the desert. It is God's desire to really come closer. I try to imagine what it's like to live in the midst of the Israelites, going into a desert and living in a tent. You know, in Myanmar, if we are honest, it can be very hot, right? Maybe some of you have been in the desert when you went on a journey, driving to a place in a car with air conditioning, getting out of the car, having the feeling that you are a real adventurous person because you are there in the desert with a car, taking some great shots on your picture camera, and then at some point you start maybe with complaining. Ooh, it is hot here. Let's go. I don't like it anymore. Well then you can maybe relate a bit to this situation. But for the Israelites, there was no air conditioning solution. Mashibu, malobu, mapabu. It was just hot. 
for a very very long time. Pude no hoke ya, very pude. Here you see the weather forecast. It was hot. But God, God chose to dwell in their midst, in the desert, and in a tent. He identifies with Israelites, and I don't know whether he has the same feelings like me. When I think about a desert in the situation that the Israelites were in to dwell in their midst, God chose to come so close to them, but still there was this separation. And this is what we already saw at the beginning, when 74 people got a glimpse of who God is. Next slide. In the tabernacle, there was this part where only high priests could come and only once a year. That was the Holy of Holiest. This part was separated by a big field hanging there. The Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holiest. And that was the place where God was really, really present. Still, there is this distance of not being able to come really, really close. Next slide. Now, let's get out of that very hot place, the desert, for a little while. And let's go forward, many, many years forward in time. Being on a day that Jesus went on the cross. When Jesus walked on this earth, it was really mind-blowing. Everything that people thought about God. The idea that they had about God was suddenly turned upside down. Even though God already showed that he wanted to be personal. In the midst of the people, he was still, for them, probably a very far away judging God. People probably didn't realize how God already identified with them by living in a tent. They probably didn't realize how much God was longing for a relationship with those people. I think we cannot even grasp how it is like that. The tabernacle was still in the midst, but when Jesus was on the cross and we look at the tabernacle, we see something significant happening, something that many people didn't understand. Through the cross, we can see something which was important possible in the Old Testament times, but it's now possible in the New Testament. The big curtain in the tabernacle was torn when Jesus went on the cross. Now what do you think that stood in the Holy of Holiest when the field was torn? What was behind the curtain? The ark was already stolen by the time. There was nothing behind it. It was empty. When the curtain was torn, it became clear that the glory of the Lord was not there. But the glory of the Lord was at that moment hanging on a cross, identifying in every single way with us, with the main purpose, to 
to have a relationship with us back. People had access to come close to God. This is what was happening. Let's read together Hebrews 10, verse 16 to 22. Hebrews 10, verse 16 to 22. All right, I'm going to read. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that's through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. It's God's word. God identifies with you. Because he wants you to be in relationship with him. By going on the cross, this invitation that 74 people got in the past is now not only for them anymore, It is for everyone. He's standing there with his arms wide open. You're welcome. God showed through history that he came to you, to us, in order for us to come to him. My question to you is, do you want to come? Do you want to come closer to God? So the question comes to you. If God wants to come closer, if God says, I want to identify with you, and we see this in history, then what is our response to him? A heart attitude plays a vital role in determining how close we'll draw to God. And at what rate? What was Moses' response to this? I would like to go back with you to Exodus 24, verse 13 to 16. Exodus 24, verse 13 to 16. All right, I'm going to read. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua. Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. <coughs> then Moses went up on the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and a cloud covered it six days. Yet on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So, for seven days, Moses was waiting till Moses was called out of the midst of the cloud. Seven full days. 
Now you. How long are you waiting till we can come into the presence of the Lord? Are you already getting impatient when it is five minutes? I think sometimes that we are living in some kind of microwave society. Everything needs to be so fast. And we don't like waiting. For me personally, I am Dutch. And Dutch people are generally focused on time. Time has to be well organized. Waiting is a problem. I'm impressed. When I read about Moses that he's waiting for seven days, that's a whole week. I'm even more impressed by Moses who then after waiting was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights while he had a very responsible job. He was leading lots of people. Next slide. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Exodus 24 verse 18 says, And Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses was absolutely willing. So what can we learn from this number 40? You know, many numbers in the Bible have a symbolic meaning. Seven. Do you know the number seven? What's the stand for? Any idea? Perfection. Fullness. Number three. Number three is the Holy Trinity. Now, 40, what does 40 stand for? Any idea? (laughs) Plenty of time. The number 40 tells us that it was a very, very long time. Moses, as the leader of the people, had a very responsible job. But he took time for God. But still, he stayed in his presence for such a long time. 40 days and 40 nights. I guess that most really failed to spend time with God. He knew that God was the one having control. And he knew that God was the real leader. He loved God. He loved to be in the presence of the Lord. I think, if you are honest, there is an importance in staying And we can see this in this story. Also for us. We need our time with the Lord. God is holy. But he made a way for you to come. It is desire that you can come. I would like to end with my conclusion. God is here. God is here. He dwelt among us. And the Spirit is now very, very present. The Spirit is here with us. It starts with God. And God is present. Now the question, if you are very honest. When He is with you, when He is here, if you know that, this knowledge, right? This, this effect. We know that God is here. But 
Are we also stretching out to meet him? 24 hours a day, the angels are saying, Holy, holy, holy. Is this your desire too? Is this your first priority? How time-consuming may it be for you? What is the price for you which you are willing to pay to really spend time with God? How important is it for you? Are you willing to come when it doesn't attract you immediately? Are you being like Moses, who had the busiest job in the world? And I think many of us, me included, are very, very busy with so many different things. How are you? Oh, well, very good, but I'm very busy. That's how we often reply. Because did 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 did. It's all very good things, but still, I'm very busy. That's how we talk often. But are you being like most with a busy job in the world, but took all the time with God? Last slide. It is God who says, I made myself like you, to have a relationship with you, so that you also have an invitation to come. But because God is not visible, we can't forget the wonderful friend that is there, just waiting to talk with us. So help us, and to give us counsel in every part of life. Consider the invitation of God to us, to draw near to Him, have fellowship with Him, and alone time with Him. How do you start your day? With this Or with God? What do you need to change today? Or this week? In your attitude? Or in your agenda? Or in your spiritual habits? That will enable you to spend intimate time. Intimate time, not time. Oh yes, I read the Bible. First place was fine, it was good. And then I prayed and it's done. But really, time. Intimate time, that's what I'm talking about. Real time with God. I would like to encourage you to really de- resolve today and through this week to spend time with Him and His worth of the relationship you have with Him, our God and our Father. So we end with prayer. Lord, Thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. That we don't have to act that we know everything all the time. But we can trust you, Lord, and that we can find answers when we walk with you and when you're just really guiding us. Um, many of us live in Myanmar with a reason. Many of us live in Myanmar with such a reason that we really came with the idea to spend real, real time with you and to be a blessing to the country, to the people around us. Lord, I pray that you help us all, Lord, to, when we are busy with so many things, and I believe many of those things you've given us, you've entrusted to us, Lord. I pray that you help us to really focus on what you want us to focus on, Lord. 
what many of us really desire to live for you, Lord. Be real disciples. Lord, help us to yeah, really live for you and experience you, Lord, every day um, in such a way that we have given us everything to just to be in your intimacy, in your presence, Lord. Lord, help us to experience you more in our lives. Lord, because we desire, our desire is in you, Lord, is who you are. Lord, I thank you for so many things through all the challenges and difficulties and blessings and comfort and all those worldly things which are part of living on this earth, Lord. But next to that, we really just want to experience you, Lord. Whatever kind of situation we are in, we want to grow through everything, Lord, with you and for you. I pray that you help us through this week to really do that, Lord. Because we have a great fellowship together, but we just desire to be also here in this church, in this fellowship. Because we want to have something from you, Lord. For many of us, going to these kind of gatherings is just our weekly habit. But we want to live for you every single day, Lord. We don't want to have this just as a habit. It's a real spiritual practice. Because you are worthy, Lord. You are valuable. You are maker and our guide. We need you. Lord, I pray your blessing over the church. You help us all, Lord, to walk in your intimacy. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.